We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mr. Fryer, let's go. Lawrence Holmes, noon to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Day 78 of the owners locking the players out in Major League Baseball. I told you today would be kind of a baseball show, and we already talked with Jim Deshays. How can it not be a baseball show and us not talk to Cody Decker? The Odyssey baseball analyst, he's terrific. He's a friend of the station and of the show. He hosts Odyssey Sports Big Time Baseball, Bet MGM, MLB Pocket. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. And he's nice enough to join us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline. He knows all about Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Deck, what's happening? Oh, Lawrence, I'm just living this horrific Twilight Zone version of the dream where I have to sit around and pretend that everything's good in baseball when we are living in the dumpster of dumpster fires in the history of this game. It is an embarrassment on all sides. Let's be real clear. I'm more on the players' sides, and trust me, we'll get into that, but this is a true embarrassment for the game of baseball. We should all be ashamed of ourselves. I agree with you on that. I want to go back a week. When you saw Rob Manfred's press conference last week, what did you think? I thought um, it was well-spoken. It was honestly one of the better press conferences that I've seen Rob Manfred had. And here's the thing. I, I feel like everyone hates on Rob Manfred and because he's a real easy target. It's the easiest target. It's low-hanging fruit. He's, he's Ellis from Die Hard. That's who he is, Deck. He's Very he's, much. He's Ellis he's from Die very, Hard. That's a... That's a very good description of him. Now, I, I'm one of the few that don't like, I don't really dislike, I don't dislike him at all. He's a guy doing his job and doing what he thinks is right for the game. I disagree with some of the things they do, obviously, but let's be real clear here. The, the, the owner, the, the owner's group is basically, the commissioner is basically a, a union head chief for the owners now. It's no longer safeguarding the league. And that's an actual problem to me because right now it doesn't really seem like anyone's actually protecting the game of baseball itself. Not even the players and not the owners. And that's something I really think needs to be taken care of. I think that someone needs to figure out a way to safeguard this game. You know who's going to be a great guy for it? Theo Epstein. He's already there in the front office of Major League Baseball. It seems as though that's what his goal eventually is. It almost seems like he's kind of moving in a way that he wants to be Major League Baseball's next commissioner of 
of which eventually he would be an incredible commissioner because one thing you can definitely say about Theo Epstein, he loves this game and he wants to grow this game. And that's not to say Rob Manfred doesn't want to grow this game, but what did I learn from that press conference last week? I'll take away the good things. One thing's first. Uh, National League DH. Thank God they're finally just giving up on this because they've been trying to use the National League DH as this weird bargaining chip, which is nonsensical because it doesn't benefit the owners or the players you know, one side or the other, it really just benefits everyone. So the fact that the, you know, Major League Baseball has been sitting around holding that one hostage for a couple of years has just been a waste of everybody's time. And I'm really glad we can finally lose this conversation about purity of the game over a DH. So I'm really excited about that. Outside of that, saying he was going to make an aggressive offer and then the offer that they put forward is two very different things. This is not going well, to say the least. An aggressive offer would be, quite frankly, an aggressive offer. What they gave was more or less the exact same offer they gave three Three weeks earlier and the fact that they haven't met since is mind-blowing yes that's i think something that does bother people it bothers me that there doesn't seem to be an urgency in negotiations and why do you think that is um quite frankly it seems as though the owners are not in a rush to get this going um, which is strange to me because spring training, I mean, pitchers and catchers were supposed to report yesterday. Now we got Bob Nightingale today posting out that there is a meeting scheduled later in the week. Later in the week, pitchers and catchers were reporting yesterday. Spring training is a money maker, it, big time now. Like, I, I'm blown away that they're not trying to get this ramped up as quick as they can, but it's all about bargaining. It's all about what's next. And quite frankly, there is so much revenue that's going to be in Major League Baseball. You mentioned the shows that I'm doing, such as BetMGM, uh, MLB Podcast, powered by BetQL. Sports gambling is now here in sports. Major League Baseball is no different. Major League Baseball, I mean, already the Nationals have opened up their sports book in D.C. You know it's coming to Wrigley. You know it's coming to every single field. So when I say that revenues are going to make the $12.7 billion Major League Baseball made two years ago look like chump change, it's going to make it look like chump change. And quite frankly, the, the revenue needs to be figured out now, not to mention all the contract manipulation that's been taking place these couple of years, things that have been put in place, such as for pace of play. All these rules that have been put in lately for pace of play usually aren't necessarily for pace of play. They're for, co for contract manipulation. And it's right in plain sight. It's very strange they've been able to get away with all of this. When it comes to playing time and, and manipulation of service time, where do the, the players have – how do you think the players want to have this resolved and what's, what's probable from the owner's side as far as a resolution? As far as probable on the owner side is really anything is possible because here's the thing at the end of the day that we just simply can't get around. We don't know how much every owner is making. We don't know how much every team is making because they don't open up their books and they're not required to. All we know is the revenue that Major League Baseball is making and when a team is bought and sold 10 years later, a team see everybody seems to make $1.3 billion per <laughs> sale. I use the Texas Rangers as an example all the time. And this is why I, I'm answering your question this way, because you said, what's feasible? Anything is feasible. This is absolutely ridiculous. Look at the Texas Rangers in 2009 was sold. Remember when Mark Cuban was trying to buy the team and got outbid with his $490 million bid? He, got, he didn't win the bid. That team sold in 2018 for $1.8 billion. And in between there, they became one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball. And they got a $2 billion stadium built for them by the city of Arlington. So to say that there's not a lot of money in owning a Major League Baseball team is just factually incorrect. How do players talk about service time manipulation? 
believe it or not, we don't. It's not a conversation that happens in the clubhouses that much. It, it's a conversation that happens when, say, the union chief Tony Clark comes to town, and we all have a long meeting about it. But you know, I have my issues with the players' association as well. Now, I'm more on the players' sides, of course I am. But here's the thing. You're seeing this last week, things that are being posted out, posted out that are, quite frankly, in my eyes, evil. And that is what they're doing to the minor leaguers. And lately, I'm getting, even more, I'm getting even more irritated. And when I say more irritated by ex-players right now, the old men crew coming out, well, back in my day, I only made $750. Guess what? I only made $750, and it was eight years ago. You played in the 70s, you moron. I can't stand these old men coming out and saying, well, I had to do it, so so do you. Shut up. It's a job, idiot. I literally have as one of my questions for you, who is looking out for the well-being of minor league players? The answer is the worst answer I could possibly give you. You ready for it? I am. No one. Absolutely no one. No one's watching out for him. No one cares about them. The players using it isn't working out for him. Uh, the owners definitely aren't looking out for him. Uh, government isn't stepping in because Major League Baseball has uh, you know uh, every anti-trust uh, exemption available to them, so they can pay the minor leaguers whatever they want. I'll use me as an example, and I use me as an example because obviously I'm an obvious example to use. I slept in my car, my what set first year in AAA in Kino Stadium in Tucson because I simply couldn't afford to live anywhere else. I had to do I had to sleep in my car after I made the big leagues one season because I was out of money. And that was when I was making a decent salary. Minor leaguers are not paid for spring training, which could be up as long as two months. They're not paid in the off season. When people sell, well go get an off season job. Who wants to hire someone who's only going to be there for three months? The only jobs that were available to me during the off-seasons was bouncing and bartending. Great. Padres didn't seem to care that I was getting into fights every night, breaking up fights at the clubs. But, you know, if I get injured, that's on me. You know, I chose this life. No, I didn't. They got drafted me, and they didn't pay me a fair wage for seven years. What solutions, if any, are there for for minor league players? Because I, I do appreciate that whether it's you telling these stories or – Players during the, the when they went to the satellite sites during the 60 game season, they were showing you like how they were being treated there. I appreciate this. So how do we fix this? Because are, th- those players are not technically in the Players Association until they make the major leagues, right? It's not technically. They're not in the Players Association until they make the major leagues. And you want the worst part about it. It's not like the Players Association is going to care that much about them when they get to the big leagues. I made it to the big leagues. I actually sat down, and I've said this you know, on my show on 670 The Score, down the line with Cody Decker, brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino, home of the world's largest sports book. But I've said this multiple times. My meeting with Tony Clark was the most insulting meeting I've ever had because I had just got to the big leagues uh, with the Padres. This next year, I signed as a free agent. It was 2016 with the Kansas City Royals. And I'm sitting there in camp battling for that 25th spot. And that's very clear to me that I they when I say very clear to me, I mean, they flat out told me, you're battling between you and Ming Wong. Who's going to take this 25-man spot? They ended up going with Ming Wong, which is is a good pick because he's a great he was a great pitcher at the time had a great spring and I ended up having to go to Omaha but here was the problem with that at that point because I was just in the big leagues I was still in the players association so if I didn't make that 25-man roster team on opening day and go to the minors I am no longer in the major league players association I'm no longer protected I asked Tony Clark to his face why aren't you protecting a guy like me who just made it to the big leagues and I won't be protected in two weeks and why aren't you protecting any of the guys in that room of 200 minor leaguers in the room across the complex and his answer to me was simply deck you were never supposed to make it 
And I just sat there dumbfounded with that statement saying, well, I did make it. And that sure as hell was not an answer to the question I just asked you. So when are you going to protect a guy like me who paid his dues both literally and figuratively? And his direct quote was, well, you know, Deck, it's just not in the cards for us. We got other things we got to take care of before we can ever get to that, which is his nice way of saying we don't care. It's never going to happen until minor leaguers have a seat at the table until they change the rules. There's nothing that's going to be changed. Are the players happy with Tony Clark as their representative? I don't know. I think uh, I think there's uh, a more people of support of Tony Clark than non-support. And listen, I don't dislike Tony Clark. I just think his priorities are off a little bit because there are people in baseball who legitimately need help. I mean, take take into account something that we just learned yesterday. You know, at, at uh, from Matt Harvey. And now everyone's talking about well, Matt Harvey partied too much in New York. Matt Harvey clearly possibly had a problem. And now people are going out saying, well, this and that. No. The organization should have taken care of this guy. They should have taken care of the player that was in front of them, someone who might have been going through some struggles. The fact that the team didn't do that is, quite frankly, sickening to me. And that's someone at the very tippy top of his game at the time. Can you imagine what they think about a double-A player going through a mental health crisis? It wouldn't be pretty. That's that's for damn sure. Cody Decker joining me to talk baseball and kind of try to wrap our, our, our hands around what's going on inside of this lockout. Do you think owners are happy with other owners? I think it uh, goes back and forth. I, 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 I can't say for sure because I am not a billionaire owner, so I can't imagine other billionaire owners getting along with other billionaire owners. And if you believe all the hype that you read online, it seems as though no owners are happy with uh, Stephen, uh, Stephen Cohen, even though I'm the most happy with Stephen Cohen. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I've only know a couple of billionaires that I've got to rub shoulders with. And let's put it this way. Billionaires are weird. They don't live in our world. They live in a different universe. It's not the same thing. Like, you think a billionaire is like Tony Stark? No. A billionaire is like the owner of the Rams the other day who practically fell asleep mid-speech before he somehow mustered out the friends. And, oh, by the way, Rams house. As if that was exciting. It it was like someone had had slipped him a card. It was like he got mickeyed five minutes earlier. Say this catchphrase. It's... These are the best fans. I love being here in Chicago, Illinois. And then you get the crowd pop because you're Mick Foley. Um, all of those things. Uh, the, the CBT, I trying to get more money to players and making teams more competitive. Do you think that it can? It, the proposed changes to the CBT that the players are looking at will that force teams to try and put a really good team on the field? I hope so. As long as this is the only thing I just want. This is my actual problem with football as well. I just think we should stop rewarding poor play. Did we just lose deck? See, he was he was making like the best point, and then we lost him. He's right about like not rewarding crappy play because. The Pirates are out here sharing in the revenue of everybody, and they're not trying at all. So it's like you got to – this texture says, Mickey, yes, hadn't heard that one in a while. Yes, Deck's really great. That's why I love having him on the show. And when we're, we're reestablished with him, okay, Deck, you were saying that you want you want teams to try and win, and there's an incentive for them not to. 
it seems as though there's been an incentive for some teams not to, to, you know, stockpile more draft picks, stockpile more prospects. And there might be a way that that does end up working. Say I use the Pirates as an example um, because they're an easy target because they're a team that has not won a whole lot in the last 20 years. But they have stockpiled a lot of young, talented ball players, And in a couple of years, they might be a team that can come out and win. But I don't like the fact that this is a team that's been in last place, you know, for the last roughly decade, just stockpiling things just to hope for a one or two year thing. It's a little unfair to the fans in Pittsburgh. And it's not like Pittsburgh is a small market. I mean, hell, the Steelers are there. The Penguins are there. There's sports royalty in Pittsburgh. So I want the Pirates to be able to compete and not be rewarded for being winning 50 games every year. That's a problem. Take a team like the Rays. The Rays model is now this self-sustaining business model where they just pull out incredible team every single year. Uh, They were able to successfully build this thing after a first decade that didn't work out well. But I mean, if that's what the Pirates are going for, great. But at the end of the day, we're just rewarding a team not playing well and claiming that they're not rich enough to hire hire a major league talent, which just isn't true. When it comes to the concept of of 40-man roster protections, and I know that this has been one of the other things that's been discussed, Give me the human element of this. Like, what's what's this like for a high school player that's drafted or someone who's 19 or 20 that gets drafted out of college to know that they have 40-man protection? Well, you, you don't get 40-man protection that early, almost ever. The the rare, very rare cases, I know we're seeing a bit of a boom in Major League Baseball of these incredibly young, talented ball players right now, like the Sotos of the world, like... um. You know, like the Bichettes of the world, all these guys that are out there that 20 to 23 years old killing it. That is not the norm in Major League Baseball. Hell, I was drafted out of UCLA as a 22nd rounder at 22 years old. Um, And, you know, I didn't get to the big leagues till I was 28. I had to grind my way through. But to say that the having your name on a 40 man spot is protection compared to the rest of the minor leaguers is a you know, is an understatement and a half. One, it's a different pay scale. Two, you are protected by the union. Three, if you get injured and they need your spot, you get to get paid major league. Uh, like say, say you're a pitcher, you're on the 40 man roster and you get need to get Tommy John surgery. If you go get Tommy John surgery and that team decides they need your spot, well, you're going to get paid major league minimum salary to go get surgery. That's just how it works. So a 40-man spot is extremely valuable, but the problem is it's not a 40-man roster anymore. It's like a 29-man roster now. So to say that there are less guys protected than there ever have been, not to mention you know the the concept of how many years you got to grind to even get up there to get a chance at a 40-man spot. If you're a guy who's signing out of high school, you better be getting paid life-changing money. Do you want to see them change the way they do bringing guys up and down? Yes, but I don't know if I have the right answer right now because the way they're doing it now, and especially it's very difficult on pitchers. You've heard of the taxi squad. There's always about a list of four guys that are constantly just going back and forth between double A AA and triple A. And it, it does put a serious issue, not necessarily on their physical well-being, not necessarily on their psyche, but on their physical well-being. You got a pitcher that's just going city to city, constantly flying and never. Lost him again. It's Manfred. I'm telling you, it's Manfred. I got Star Trek stuff that I want to ask him too. See if you can reconnect. We'll do. This will be the last time that we reconnect. He was there. Like the best part about it is that he was there on Twitch, and he's just going because that's what he does. He go. You don't know when a line drops. All right. 
deck you were saying uh what was i talking about <laughs> you were talking about the wear and tear on pitchers going from double a AA to triple a to the major leagues big league okay so you have the taxi squad you got guys going back and forth between triple a and the big leagues and that doesn't sound like it's much but you got to understand the rest of that triple a staff is getting taxed so when i say they're getting taxed you get a guy that gets called up before the game he's got it he can't throw that day because he might have to get called up the next day so now you have four guys in your bullpen in triple a say something goes wrong and a guy has to be pulled out early now you have two guys in your bullpen in triple a next thing you know you're working with a short staff in triple a and you have to wait five days before the pitcher that was sent down can actually rejoin your team next thing you know guys are getting beat up and their stats are suffering because they're getting overused in triple a next thing you know oh everyone checks on twitter well can we call this guy up now his numbers are bad no that guy just threw five extra innings he shouldn't have thrown because we don't have anybody else because the taxi squad has taken half the triple a pitching staff it's a problem, a big problem, which is why I'm even more annoyed that talking about contracting the minor leagues even more. Major League Baseball doesn't need less players. It needs more baseball players. Who's your captain in, in Star Trek? Like, who who is it? Is it is it Pike? Is it Kirk? Is it Cisco? Is it Picard? Is it Janeway? Is it Burnham? Who's your captain? I want to say Cisco, but here's my reason not saying Cisco. Because Cisco was more of a commander of a station rather than the commander of a starship. So I'm going to go with Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Man, he's wise. He drinks Earl Grey tea. He's got a great-looking head. I, I swear to God, one of these days, one of these days, they're going to do a J.J. Abrams-esque reboot of The Next Generation like they did with the original Trek and just wait for Tom Hardy's beautiful voice to come out saying, number one, make it so. I like that idea. That's actually pretty good. It, it's it, that works for me. You're right. He it wasn't really a starship. He did have the Defiant, but usually Dax or Worf were kind of running the Defiant while he was taking care of the big picture issues. It's a good choice with Picard. I can't be mad at that choice at all. Deck is always. But that's the reasoning behind it. That's the, that's the only reasoning behind it. If I got a few more episodes with with Cisco over there on the Defiant, I'm going Cisco 100% of the time. But until then, hey, that Picard, hey, took down the Borg multiple times. Lacutus survived. Come on, man. Picard all the way, baby. Are you enjoying your tea, your transition from coffee to tea? No, I went right back to coffee. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to save Earl Grey for the evenings because there's just not enough caffeine in that. Oh, my God. You are the best. Deck, thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Love you, Lawrence and Brandon. Oh, man, what a show. What a show indeed. That is Cody Decker, who is one of our baseball insiders at Odyssey Sports. He does a great job. He is one of the people that would play an instrumental role of, of hipping us to what was happening with Circuit Resort and Casino. In more baseball news, too, has just been a report that Soto of the Nets just rejected a, what is it, 13-year $350 million deal before the lockout has yeah. just been reported. Yeah, because there's talk that he becomes the first $500 million player, and it makes sense. So, Yep, he wants to test free agency. I, I mean, yeah, if you're talking about dollars like that, makes you wonder. I want to talk about DeMar DeRozan in the next segment, and he has the chance tonight to do something that made me think of my Favorite statistics. I'll explain what I mean next here on The Score. 
Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Over the midcourt line, this DeMar DeRozan time. DeRozan driving down purple and puts it down with a right-handed slam. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Yaka Purple is going to have nightmares down the floor, down the floor again. And it's DeMar DeRozan with back-to-back dunks. DeRozan one-on-one, 17, put it left side, got it! DeMar DeRozan, put him in the hall, put him in the hall of fame, and he's going in the hall, folks. You're deep into the woo today. Wu-Tang Wednesdays. Oh, all right. If that's what we're doing, I'm totally fine with that. That can be a thing. It can be Top 5 Tuesdays and Wu-Tang Wednesdays. Make sure that we have, like, all of the ODB, like, sound bites ever. Because Wu-Tang is for the children. Like, that's what it's for. Now, hey, you had Dre and them at the Super Bowl if you really want to set it off, set it off. A Wu-Tang reunion at the Super Bowl is the way to go. I don't think they're ready for that one. I don't think so either. Meth is enjoying like being being a heartthrob now. Like women are like, you know what? After he took off those baggy clothes, he's very attractive. I thought he was going to show up with Mary J. I thought they was going to do some like reunion. That was, All I need. That was the move. Like to me, that would have been the second song that she should have done. But I think it was, it was all songs that Dre had masters to. Cause I mean, think about it. His catalog goes all the way back to the 84. I mean, you have the world-class wrecking crew stuff. It goes all the way back to then. And Snoop's goes all the way back to 92 and they didn't play anything before 2001. So I I think that's what what that was. But yeah, we want to do Wu-Tang Wednesday next Wednesday. Let's do Wu-Tang Wednesday. Yeah, it is Wu-Tang Wednesday. I, Get ready for it. I think that we could have a lot of fun with Wu-Tang. I actually know who we should invite on as a guest for next Wednesday's show since we're going to make it Wu-Tang Wednesday. Is it a baseball guy? It is. I know who you're talking about. Of course you do because, come on, he's the best. Anyway. The Bulls right now are in first place in the Eastern Conference. Why? Because Miami lost. 37-21, and 21, they have a game-and-a-half lead over Milwaukee, two-game lead over Cleveland, two-and-a-half game lead over the Sixers, three-and-a-half game lead, quiet as it's kept. Boston Celtics have been magnificent over did, the last three weeks. Did you see them put just a beating yes, they, on the Sixers? I think Joel Embiid had 17 points in the first quarter, and it didn't matter. They were just, it was an onslaught. They've righted the ship. So now they're back into this conversation. Brooklyn sitting there at six and a half out in the eighth spot right now. So they're still in the play in tournament. And we'll see how quickly they can get Ben Simmons on the floor and try to make that whole thing work. Meanwhile, DeMar DeRozan is out here doing historic things. Historic. He's on a stretch of games right now, six straight with 35 points and shooting 50% from the floor. And he's doing that mostly without three-pointers. The only other person to do this at that frequency is Wilt Chamberlain, which allows me to talk about my favorite 
piece of sports statistical trivia, however you want to to deem it. And this is why I wanted you to get the pictures to Connor so the people from Twitch can enjoy this too. Twitch.tv slash Chicago 670 The Score. Whenever we talk about Will Chamberlain, whenever his name comes up, first of all, if you get your name attached to Wilt Chamberlain, because the things that you're doing on the basketball floor, you have made an incredible accomplishment. It's incredible. But now, some of you may know where I'm going because you've been loyal listeners to the show, and I appreciate you for that. Some of you may not. This, to me, is the craziest thing that ever happened in the history of sports and sports awards. Not the Source Awards. That's different. We know where we at. We know where we at. East Coast in the house. Y'all don't love us. Y'all don't love us. Let it be known. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sports awards. The 1961-62 NBA MVP voting. Brandon, have you ever looked this up? I only looked it up when you showed it to me. So then I started looking it up even more when I Pretty crazy, right? Okay, so let's talk about this. These were the top five finishers in the 1961-1962 MVP voting in the NBA. The logo, Jerry West, was, was number five. Now let me tell you about the season that the logo had that season that had him finishing fifth for MVP. He averaged 31 points a game, eight rebounds a game, and five assists per game. 31, eight, and five. He finished in fifth place for MVP voting. Number four was his running mate with the Lakers, Elgin Baylor. And you're saying, Lawrence, what type of numbers did Elgin Baylor have that year? Well, let me tell you. Elgin Baylor scored 38 points a game, averaged 19 rebounds a game, and five assists a game. He finished fourth. Fourth for MVP that season. Number three that season. Oscar Robertson, the big O. What did the big O that do that season? Well, he averaged a triple-double. And it wasn't like he averaged 10, 10, and 10. Big O that season averaged 31 points, 13 rebounds, and 11 assists the game. He finished third. For MVP in that season. Now, I'm going to tell you who finished first next. Because that's the ridiculous part of this. No shade to one of the GOATs, but come on. Bill Russell won the MVP that season. His numbers are great. He averaged 19 points, 24 rebounds, and 5 assists a game. Now, I've given you Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and Oscar Robertson and now Bill Russell. Wilt Chamberlain finished second. Second for MVP voting. And I want to tell you, like, this is why this is my favorite statistic. 
I gave you all these crazy numbers on the rest of these guys, right? Now let me tell you about Wilt's season in 61-62. Wilt Chamberlain in the 61-62 season averaged 50 points a game. 5-0, 50, 50 points a game. And you're like, well, maybe he only played like a couple of games. No, Will Chamberlain played 80 games that season. More games than anyone else who finished in the top five for MVP voting. And I'll get back to that because there's another great statistical anomaly about that. Will averaged 50 points, 26 rebounds a game, and two assists. Because who is he passing the ball to? Everyone's passing the ball to Wilt. So remember, he will finish second after averaging 50 points and 26 rebounds a game. A game! For 80 games. It's unreal. It is unreal. Like, that is the most stacked like top five that you're going to see for MVP voting. But the man finished second. The the crazy thing, Baylor, 19 rebounds as what guard, swingman. Like, come on, in 62 against those guys? So, wait, I got a stat that's going to put this over the top with Will because it's, it's ridiculous. He averaged 50 points in 26 rebounds a game. Like, think about if you're a Philadelphia Warriors fan. You know that if you can find the game or if you go to the game, we'll go give you 50 a night. Every night, every night that you show up, we'll go give you 50 and 26. And he finished second in MVP voting. That's not the craziest part of this story. Brandon, how many minutes are there in an NBA game? 48 minutes. Right. 48. Like DeMar DeRozan is averaging 38 minutes a game, and they're asking him to do a lot. So give give me the number again. How many minutes is an NBA game? 48 minutes. Will Chamberlain played 48 and a half minutes. He averaged 48 and a half minutes while scoring 50 points and averaging 26 rebounds a game. That means, that means Wilt Chamberlain played every minute of every game that he played. And played all out. Didn't get tired. 50 points and 26 rebounds. Like, come on. So whenever your name is mentioned with Wilt Chamberlain, when you hear tonight on the broadcast, we'll have it on the score starting at 645 tonight. When you hear that Wilt's name is connected to DeMar DeRozan, I want you to think back to the 61-62 season where Wilt Chamberlain averaged 50 points, 26 rebounds a game, and played more minutes than there actually are in an NBA game. He 
averaged 48 and a half minutes. Do you understand what I'm saying? He never came off the floor. Ever. Overtime game, Wilt, stay your ass out there. Okay. That's the main point, the half part, too. 48 and a half. And a half. There are 48 minutes in an NBA game. Wilt Chamberlain averaged more minutes than there are in a game. He never came off the floor. Let let me compare just real quick. Let me compare it to the rest of the guys. All these guys played heavy minutes, okay? Jerry West averaged 41 minutes a game. Elgin Baylor averaged 44. Same thing for Big O. And Russell averaged 45 minutes a game. Wilt averaged 48 and a half. I feel bad for that backup right there. I don't. You ain't better than him. Let Will go out there and do his thing. I'll just get beat up in practice. It's totally fine. Back after this on the score. Lawrence Holmes, noon to two on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. I've been talking about for the last few days how, like, I've been dealing with some back pain. And men, as a general rule, we're bad at self-care. Like, we're bad about going to the doctor. We're bad about self-care. I've tried, I've, I've been trying to be better at that. So I set up an appointment to go get massage. And I go to get massage at a place called Yoga Now, which is great. Great vibe, like the whole thing. And my masseuse, Latanya, I told her what was going on with me. And she's like, you need to be doing better. You need to be drinking your water. You need to be drinking ginger and turmeric and all this stuff. And she made me pay for it. Like, I got my ass whooped yesterday. It was, I was like, ah! Like, it wasn't one of those, it wasn't one of those really, like, relaxing massages. And and I knew it wasn't going to be. And quite honestly, I didn't deserve it. I needed someone to go get the knots that were going on in my back and in my hamstring. And Latanya pulled no punches. I say all that to say to you, these are good things for us. We need to have these moments where we as men try to do a better job of taking care of ourselves. It doesn't always work, but in a lot of cases it does. And I was messed up last night, but this morning I woke up and I feel wonderful. So take it from me, someone who struggles with taking some of that stuff and that time for yourself, try to find it and try to find a masseuse that's going to give you that tough love the way that Latanya does. Because I walked out of that place curled up because I had been beat up for an hour. And then after drinking a whole bunch of water and getting a good night's sleep, felt right as rain. Take care of yourselves, men. I'll talk with Parkins and Spiegel next here on The Score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.